You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. For those of you I haven't got a chance to meet, I'm Sean, and I am one of the elders and one of the preachers here, and we're going to be in God's Word together today. Um, We've been in this uh, series uh, called A Gospel Christmas, and uh, we started Thanksgiving weekend. Gary uh, talked us through Jesus Emmanuel out out of the book of Isaiah. And so each week we've been then progressing through the Gospels. We went then to uh, Matthew looking at Jesus as the son of Mary. And then we went to Mark looking at Jesus as the son of David last week. And what we're hoping to do is uh, sort of like looking at a diamond from a different perspective, sort of turning it in the light and looking at it. It's revealing different levels of beauty, different depths of beauty as we look at the person of, of Jesus each week. And it's a good thing to do. Jay has said several times in the series, and this is right on, when we understand really who Jesus is, it helps us understand really who we are. And so that's been our goal as we've gone throughout this. This week, uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus, the Son of God, out of the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is one of the earliest accounts of Jesus' life and was written by Dr. Luke. I don't know his last name. I think he's one of those casual doctors. It goes by his first name only. Um, <laughs> But I love the Gospel of Luke, and I want to look at what does Jesus, the Son of God, say about Jesus, and then what does it mean for our lives, all right? We're going to start in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in a lot of different places in Scripture, so get your pages ready or your thumbs warmed up because we're going to be moving all around uh, this morning. But I'll also put the words on the screen. So I'm going to pray, or excuse me, I'll read the word, and then we'll pray together, and then we'll dive in, all right? Here we go, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, uh, thank you for your beautiful word. Thank you for uh, the time together as church family now to dive into this word and to learn more about, about Jesus. And Father, I invite your spirit now. Um, we know you're here. Uh, we welcome you here. We want you here. We need you here, spirit. I pray you would fill me, God, with your spirit in such a way that I would be um, filled up and overflowing with you, that my words, God, would be your words, that, God, you would glorify yourself, that you would build up your church this morning. And uh, I just pray, ask for all of our hearts to be prepared this morning, God, that your spirit would prepare our hearts for what you want to do with us, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so as we just read, um, the angel of God shows up. The angel Gabriel shows up. And has anybody here seen the movie, The Nativity Story? Some have. It's a great movie. Um, it's kind of like the movie or the TV series, The Chosen, um, which is also fantastic. If you have not seen either one of these, you need to. They're great. But what I love about them is they kind of tell us the story and show us what it actually might have looked like um, at the time. And in this movie, The Nativity Story, this is what the angel looks like when he shows up. <laughs> to me, it's a little creepy. <laughs> um, and also what's awesome is to me, he kind of looks like Pastor Stephen a little bit. <laughs> um, just a hair maybe. Pastor Stephen, if you don't know him, he's a, our pastor of young adults uh, and students and he's a stud. So Stephen, I hope you're listening because uh, this is a great pick of your brother, I guess. Um, anyway, so the, the angel shows up and Mary's totally freaked out. I would have been too if Pastor Stephen showed up glowing. Um, <laughs> But remember what the angel said to her. He said, don't be afraid. He says, you're going to conceive and you're going to give birth to a son. He's going to be great and will be called the son of the most high. And then it says that the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, um, David. This baby, Jesus, is going to be named the son of the most high, the son of God. And what I love about this particular text is it sort of nicely wraps where we've been the last few weeks because we have Jesus, the son of Mary, who is also going to be called the son of the most high, the son of God, and he's going to reign over, over the throne of his father, David. So we kind of have everything together in one, one spot here. It's great. And Mary's parents, they were good, godly parents, and so they had taught her, obviously, about sex education. Parents are their first and primary educator of kids. We shouldn't wait for someone else to teach our kids about sex education. Mary's parents didn't either because she obviously knows where babies come from, and they had spent time teaching her from a godly and biblical and also biologically accurate uh, place as far as where do babies come from. And so Mary asked the angel, and she's like, how is this going to work since I'm a virgin? And so the angel's response is the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The angel tells her, somehow, Mary, the Spirit of God himself is going to come on you and cause you to become pregnant and, and that the Holy One is going to be born here. Now, the English translators had to smooth this language out a little bit where it says the Holy One there. It actually literally says the Holy to be born. And what's great about that is I think about that because it's not saying the Holy One. It's not saying the Holy Person. It's like saying that holiness itself is being formed in you, Mary. Holiness itself is going to be taking on human form and being born into the world and that this holiness is going to be called the Son of God. It's amazing. It's amazing. Jesus, the Son of God, is being announced by an angel. But who else? Who else announces um, Jesus? as the son of God. Well, in Luke verse, or excuse me, Luke chapter two, uh, we read about a story where Jesus is about 40 days old. And Jesus um, is being brought to the temple by Joseph and Mary for purification rites, but also to dedicate Jesus at the temple. This, this was something that uh, all Jews would have done at the time. It was in the Mosaic law and they all followed it very carefully. Well, at the same time, it just so happened, there was this elderly uh, prophet there named Simeon. And the Holy Spirit of God had told Simeon that, that, Simeon, you will stay alive. You won't die until you see the Messiah. And so on this particular day, the, the Holy Spirit of God tells Simeon to go to the temple. And when he gets to the temple area, it just so happens by some chance that he runs into Joseph and to Mary and to Jesus. And he's so excited, he runs over to them and, and takes the baby out of their arms, which 
may have been weird. I don't know if it was weird in their culture. It probably would be weird now. But look what Simeon says in Luke 2, 29. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people, Israel. This angel Gabriel shows up on the scene and declares Jesus is the son of God. This old prophet declares that Jesus is the Messiah. And throughout scripture, especially in the New Testament, we see apostles, we see disciples, we see followers of Jesus declaring that Jesus is the son of God. We also see demons declaring that Jesus is the son of God because the demons and Satan knows who Jesus is as well. But Jesus himself declares himself to be the son of God. But I want to look at one more witness, one more testimony, and we read about that in Luke chapter 3. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist has been now burst onto the scene. Um, John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus. He's the one that was talked about earlier when we read where it said um, Mary's relative was pregnant in her sixth month. Um, she was pregnant with John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist was born a little bit before Jesus. He was the forerunner to the Messiah. He was the one that pointed at Jesus and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so John the Baptist was out doing his ministry, preaching a message of repentance and also baptizing people because he's, he's John the Baptist. And Jesus comes to him to get baptized too. And look what it says happens in Luke three twenty one. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God the Father and God the Spirit show up at Jesus's baptism and they themselves are testifying that Jesus is the son of God. It's incredible. Now, before we get into the implications of what does it mean that Jesus is the son of God, what does the Bible mean when it says that Jesus is the son of God? Because... Jesus is not God's son in the same sense that a human uh, man has a, has a son, like, like my son Spencer. It's not, it's not the same sense. God didn't fall in love with Mary. They didn't get married. They didn't have sex and produce a baby. That's just not how it worked, right? And so what does it mean that Jesus is the son of God? Well, when the Bible says Jesus is the son of God, it's really saying that Jesus is the son of God in the sense that he is God made manifest in human form. The gospel of John helps us to see this. Look at John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then down in verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus, the son of God was both with God and he was God. This God made himself into flesh and then dwelt or lived among us. Um, the Hebrew, the author of Hebrews says this, he says that the son, that's Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. What this saying is that Jesus, the son of God, is God himself. Think about how incredible that is. We have God the eternal who has forever existed we have God, the divine and majestic and awesome and infinite. We have a God who is unable to be contained, chooses to come into earth in the form of a baby. Incredible, incredible. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? I hope so, because it's true. I also hope so because it has some significant implications about who Jesus is, but also for our lives. And so I want to look at three of those this morning, although there are many more. The first one is this, it's that Jesus is creator. 
We looked at this earlier in John 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. What this is saying is in the beginning, which is like way, way, way back then. That's what the language says. It says, was the word. The word was Jesus, and the word was God. It's saying that all creation comes through him and by him. The word is saying that this baby, born of a virgin to a teenage girl in a place designed for livestock, is God himself. Jesus is the creator. And so the creator steps into his own creation in the most unassuming way possible. This baby that was born is the God that created light and darkness and separated the two. He's the God that created universes and galaxies and planets and moons and stars and called them one by one out by name. He's the God that made the earth and the land and separated land from water and filled the water with, with fish of all kinds. He filled the land with animals and plant life of all kind. And then at the pinnacle of his creation, he creates people in his own image. Incredible. God the creator is Jesus. He creates all kinds of amazing things, including life, but not just biological life. Look at what verse four says. He says that in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus created life, but he also created spiritual life. Spiritual life is found in Jesus. And that's what it's talking about here, where it says that that life is the light of all mankind. If you come back on Christmas Eve, Jay is going to help us understand what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? It's going to be great. No pressure, Jay. Twice now we said it's going to be great. So hopefully he, hopefully he nails it. He always does. Jesus, the son of God, the creator, he came and he wants us to not only have life, biological life, that is to live or to exist. He wants us to have real, abundant, amazing life. Jesus says in John 10, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. He is the author of life. And so he knows how to do it well. And he made it for us. And he wants us to be able to flourish in every single way possible. My family loves music. We all listen to all kinds of music, actually, all of us do, um, everything. And I've said that before, rap, country, jazz, acoustic, uh, pop, a little bit of pop, everything. Uh, even worship music sometimes, surprisingly. Um, everything. And uh, we were listening the other night, we were coming home from dinner, and uh, we were listening to uh, an artist I love. His name is Dave Barnes. If you don't know Dave Barnes, you should. He's great. Um, but we were listening to one of his Christmas uh, albums, and this song came on uh, called Angel Boy. And in this song, there's this instrumental interlude where you just hear piano and violin playing mostly. And my son from the backseat, he's like, hey, he was like, you know what I love about the violin? He says, if, if you're listening to a violin, if you pick up a violin and you don't know how to play it, it is impossible to get a nice sound out of the violin. If you've ever tried to play a violin and you don't know how, the sounds that come out of it are horrible. It would sound better if you lit it on fire and the crackling from the fire would sound better. It's awful what a violin sounds like if you don't know what you're doing. But if you put that same violin in the hands of a trained musician with the right tuning, who knows how to apply the right pressure on the bow as he draws the bow across the strings, who plays the right notes with the right rhythm at the right time, some of the most beautiful music ever produced comes from a violin. Music that will bring tears to my eyes. Surprisingly. <laughs> That's how we are as people. 
Because if we stumble through life untrained in the ways of the master, untrained in the ways of the creator, then on our own terms, the sounds of our lives are ugly and broken. The sounds of our lives are foolishness and full of sin and folly that ultimately will lead to death, not life. Ultimately, if we leave our lives up to our own untrained hands, then we make a mess of things like violin in the hands of an untrained musician. But if we will recognize that Jesus, the son of God, is the creator and the author of life, and because he made life, he knows how to help us flourish in every possible way in this life and into eternity, if we'll believe what Jesus said in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And if we will willingly, like a violin in the hands of a master musician, put our lives into the hands of the master, the creator, and live life on his terms, we can truly have an abundant life. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not promising you that an abundant life in Jesus means you'll never have any problems. You will still have sickness and pain and sorrow and sadness and disease and, and, and physical death. All of those things are the universal human experience, unfortunately, because we have sin in our world. But what I am saying is that in spite of those things, life can be abundant. Life can be wonderful. We can still find joy and purpose and community and family and meaning and hope in the future in spite of all of our troubles that are around. Jesus, the son of God, is creator, and he wants us to have life. Jesus, the son of God, also means that Jesus has all authority is that something that you believe? Yes. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the disciples gathered on this mountain near Galilee. And Jesus shows up with them. And look what he says to them in Matthew 28, 18. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But my question is, given by whom? Who was it that gave Jesus this authority? And we help, uh, the, Matthew helps us to understand in, in earlier in his book, in Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, he records these words of Jesus that say, all things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And then uh, the gospel of John, John three thirty five says, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Jesus has all authority. Now, I was given the opportunity this fall to go on the trip of a lifetime. I got to go to Jordan and to Israel uh, with a couple of brothers. It was amazing, truly life-changing uh, experience for me. If you've never been there and you can get there one day, you should. It was absolutely amazing. But we started our time in Jordan and we got to go see Petra. I don't know if, if everybody knows what Petra is. It's an amazing place. You got to look it up online if you've not seen it or don't know what it is, or you can watch it in Indiana Jones, but it's awesome. And so we walk down this like huge uh, canyon that's like giant walls up on the side of you. And we walk all the way down and we see this huge like ancient carved, carved into the rock is like this temple that there's actually rooms and stuff inside. You can't go in. It's amazing. I got to ride a camel there. The camel wrangler uh, was a young man of about 11 years old and he was smoking a cigarette like he was a 45 year old dude. <laughs> It was hilarious, it was awesome, but don't smoke, a smoking's bad for, you, bad for you. But it was funny, it was a funny day that day. And so we got to see all kinds of amazing things over there in Jordan, but then um, a few days later, we, we were then traveling because we were gonna go from Jordan into Israel. And if you've traveled internationally, you know that it's a process moving through countries and, and between countries. And so 
we have this big bus full of people and we pull up to the border crossing on the Jordanian side and um, a soldier gets on the bus and walks up and down the bus and looks at all of our passports and then gets off the bus, tells us to move forward. We do, we move forward. I think another Jordanian soldier got on and looked at like one or two of our passports and got off and told us to move forward. But then we pulled up into this area where there's this building and uh, we get off of the bus. We unload everything off of the bus. I had one suitcase and a backpack, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Some of the people had like three giant suitcases. I don't know what they all brought, but they had a lot of stuff. So we all get off the bus. We go into this area. We run our bags through the scanner. We run ourselves through the scanner. Not like this, if that's what you're picturing. It was like we walked through the scanner. Uh, and then we go see uh, uh, an area where we have to all sit in these chairs and just wait in line. And eventually they call us up one by one and we answer some questions. We show them our passport. They stamp some things. Groovy. That's Jordanian side. We're done. We, get, we load everything back on the bus. Then we cross the border. And everything is more sophisticated and everything is a little bit more intense on the Israeli side. And so it's a similar process. I can't remember how many times we showed our passports to different people getting on and off the bus because we did it a lot. Um, but eventually make our way to another building where we then unload the bus again. We take all of our stuff inside with us. We get in this big line. And I think it was one, two, three, four. It was either four or five different places in there where we had to show our passport, talk to somebody, go through the whole process, run our stuff through the scanners. Um, a couple of our people on our trip actually got strip searched. I planned ahead and just wore a Speedo because I was like, I don't want this to, to take a long time. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't even own a Speedo, but last minute gift idea right there. Um, Thank you. I'm afraid because Piper's going to buy me one. <laughs> Maybe I'll preach in it next time if it comes in time. No. Okay. Anyway, eventually, through all of this process, we get into Israel. I'm pumped that we're in Israel. I, I had somebody take a picture of me. Um, here's me in Israel. Now, I was... I learned something that day, and I also was reminded of something that day. The thing that I learned was pointed out to me by, by, by my brother, Don. He's right here. He, he pointed out to me that when I pose for a picture, I look like a fifth grader on his first day of school. <laughs> and it's true. Every picture on the trip, there I am, like, like, yay, first day of school. I'm so pumped to be here. Anyway, it was a good, it was a good lesson. I don't know how else to pose, though. That's what I look like. So let's get rid of that picture. Um, the other thing that I learned, or was reminded of, rather, was that real authority is something that you will submit to. You will either submit to it by choosing to and you will willingly submit to it or you will submit to it because you are forced to. There was no question there. We were submitting to the authority of the Israeli and the Jordanian government because they're sovereign over their nation. You do what they want or you don't get to go in. And if we had bucked the system, if we had not submitted willingly to their authority, it would not have gone well for us. I can guarantee that. And so my question is this morning is, are you submitting your life to Jesus and to his authority? Where in your life, what parts of your heart are you still holding back a little bit and not choosing to submit to Jesus as authority in your life? Jesus, the son of God, has authority over your life and over mine. And it's a good thing that he does because like I said earlier, he knows how to do life. He knows uh, how life works the best. And in him and in his ways, we find the best kind of real abundant life that all of us are looking for. He has the authority to decide what is good because he's God and we're not. And so he alone determines what is good and true and beautiful and pure and lovely. He alone, as God and all authority, gets to decide uh, how he wants to be worshipped. He has the authority to tell us not only what to do, but how to do it. 
He does this in many ways. A couple of them, though, are one through his beautiful word, through his commands inside of his word. But also in his word, when we read about the life of Jesus, we read about a God who is showing us by the way that he lived, by this God stepping into his creation, how we should live. Because in the person of Jesus, he shows us um, how to love, how to serve, how to help, how to be generous, how to be kind, how to build community, how to have a real kind of family. Jesus shows, off all, shows us all of these things in his, in his life. Now I'm reading this book and I'm reading it with a couple of guys that are close to me. Um, it's actually a book on uh, Jeremiah. It's called Running With Horses by uh, Eugene Peterson. It's a great book. But in this book, um, the author poses this question. If you were stranded on an island and could only have one book with you, what book would it be? And some of you may have thought about this before at times. Some of you, maybe it's a, a, a work of Shakespeare because Shakespeare had this uncanny ability to help us understand and experience human emotion. And so if you're alone on an island, maybe you want to remember what interacting with other humans felt like. Maybe others of us don't like old classic works, and so we're more sort of modern novels. One author that I love, Vince Flynn, he writes about uh, this character, fictitious character named Mitch Rapp, who is the top CIA counterterrorism operative, and so he goes all around the globe saving the world, and really high body counts in these, in these books. They're, they're really entertaining, if you're into that sort of thing. Some of you are like, that sounds horrible. Well, maybe, maybe if that's not your speed, maybe Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice is more your speed because you want to hear about life and love and culture and the tensions in society in 19th century England. Any would really probably be a good choice for entertainment purposes, but if you were stranded on an island and you were wishing that you were home, maybe a better choice would be Canoe and Boat Building by W.P. Stevens. <laughs> right? I mean, if there you are on the island and you want to get home, why not have a book that is written by an authority on boat building that can help you get home? Jesus, the son of God who has all authority, wrote a book and he gave it to us. It's called the Bible. For us who are stranded on a planet that is not our ultimate home, it's the perfect manual for us to read and to learn about and to see the life of Jesus on display to show us how to live an abundant life. It's the perfect addition, God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training to show us how to be righteous. It is the perfect addition with its pages are filled with spirit-saturated words. I think Matt Patrick taught me that phrase. Spirit-saturated words, commands, wisdom to help us see how to worship and love and serve, and most importantly, how to get home with Jesus and with the Father, with the Spirit, and with the family of God, where I believe all of our hearts truly long to be. And so the question is this morning is, how much time do you spend diving into and absorbing this incredible gift to us? Lots of us spend a lot of time on social media, hours scrolling through Instagram and Twitter feeds, uh, hours spent looking at videos and content on TikTok. Some of you are trying to master the latest dance, you know. Lots of time spent scrolling through Facebook feeds. Maybe social media is not your thing. Maybe you're on news feeds, so CNN or Fox, whatever your flavor is, that's what you just consume constantly all day long. Others of you are into sports, so it's all about sports. You watch sports online, you read about sports, you watch sports on TV, you listen to sports radio. You're just all about sports, podcasts, whatever. Maybe this Christmas it would be a good time to evaluate everything that you're taking into your heart and into your life. Now, I'm not saying that you should never be on 
social media, news, sports, whatever. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be on those things sometimes, but we have the very words of our King of King and Lords of, Lord of Lords available to us. We have his beautiful spirit to help us learn from him, to help us see from him, and he is the ultimate authority. And so are you leaning into his authority? Are you leaning into his word? Are you leaning into his ways? Are you leaning into and submitting your life to his authority? Or are you slouching away from him and maybe even worse, pulling away from him? The word of God has truly transformed my life truly transformed my whole life. Every year I read through the whole Bible and it's something that is so good to do. And if you've never done this, 2023 is your year. This is the time to start, man. You're coming up on a new year. You can start January 1st. There's all kinds of tools to help you do this. version is the one I use. There's all kinds of free reading plans on there. Bible Project has some good stuff. There's a lot of great options out there. And maybe you've walked with Jesus for a long time, but you've never truly done this all the way through. And maybe you're brand new to trying to even figure out who this Jesus person is. I can't think of a better option for either person to discover this person of Jesus, to discover what it means that he is the son of God, to discover what it means that he has all authority in our lives. So are you listening to the son of God who has all authority? Will you? Will you choose to listen to the son of God who has all authority? Christmas is one of those times of year where we can stop and be reminded about what life is really about, reminded of who Jesus is and who we are as we remember and think about him coming to earth as a baby. I'm a baby expert. Sounds weird to say, right? A lot of you know this. I have two jobs. One job I'm doing right now, I'm one of your elders and one of your preachers. I've been doing it for 11 years and I absolutely love it. My other job, I'm a registered nurse. I've been for almost 24 years a registered nurse in the neonatal intensive care unit. And so I know babies. I'm like a baby whisperer. <laughs> I can make any baby, the maddest baby you've ever seen, I can make any baby go to sleep within about two minutes. I just need good IV access and a bunch of narcotics. And I'm like, <laughs> night, night, fella, time to sleep. I'm great at it. But as a baby expert, I can, I can testify to you that babies are small and weak, as if you needed an expert to tell you that. I've had a few fights with some babies, try to put an IV line in them. They're fighting me. I don't know why. It's weird. Um, so some are a little bit strong, but ultimately babies are, are, are weak. And some of us love to think about Jesus as a baby. Some of us want to pretend like Jesus is still a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Some of us are like Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights, who's sitting around his dinner table and praying to sweet baby Jesus. Everything is sweet baby Jesus. We love you, sweet baby Jesus. Thank you, eight pound, 10 ounce, sweet baby Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. I can't do the accent or I would. It's awesome. It's a hilarious film if you haven't seen it. But I think it's some of our tendency is to do that because it's easier to think of Jesus as a baby because babies are weak. They are not a threat to us. They can't offer us any help either, but they're not an authority figure in our lives. They are totally dependent on us. Luke 2 talks about Jesus as a baby after he had been born. We read about it a little bit earlier when we were lighting the candles. It says that there are shepherds living in the fields outside of Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel shows up to them. They're totally freaked out. But remember what the angel said. 
verse 10, it says, the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, that's more angels, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus, the son of God, came as a baby, but he didn't stay a baby And that's a really good thing that he didn't. Worship team, if you want to come up, we're going to get ready to worship again here in a minute. But the baby Jesus, the son of God, the son of Mary, the son of David, he starts out in the manger. His skin is new. His skin is warm like a newborn baby is. He needed everything to be done for him. He needed to be fed and diapered. And after he was fed, he needed his mom to hold him and pat his back gently so that he could burp. Lots of you have burped your own babies, or maybe you've burped other people's babies that way after you fed them. It's a sweet, sweet moment. Baby Jesus needed all of those things. But one day that baby was going to grow up. And one day, instead of his back being gently patted by a loving mom, his back was going to be scourged and whipped by a Roman soldier. One day that baby Jesus, whose mom held his sweet little hands sometimes, maybe as she sang him to sleep, Those hands were going to grow up into large hands of a man that would be stretched out and nailed to a Roman cross. The soft head of an infant whose mom rocked him and kissed him on was going to grow into a head that one day would wear a crown of thorns. It is a good thing that Jesus did not stay a baby because of his perfect life his awful excruciating death, his burial, his resurrection, um, where he showed his authority even over death means that the son of God means that Jesus has all authority to forgive sin and to make you and I righteous. Praise the Lord. That's what we need. This is what a gospel Christmas means to me. This is what Christmas is all about. Jesus did come. He stepped into a creation. He stepped the creator into creation as an infant, but he didn't stay an infant. Thank, thank God. Because if we will put our faith and our hope in the person of Jesus, trusting all he did in his life, death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins, then he gives us the right to be called sons and daughters of God. It's what helps us to have peace with the Father, like it says in our text, that God came to bring peace to those on whom his favor rests. How we have peace is if we follow Jesus. That's how we have peace. Let's worship the Son of God. It's been a good morning to be together. It's been great to be with you all as family, worshiping, learning, singing, fellowshipping. It's been awesome. Uh, We've got prayer teams available on the sides. If you need prayer for anything, come see our prayer teams. They're awesome. Also, you could come see me or anybody on the stage. We'd love to pray with you. If you're new or newer to Grace and you want to kind of figure out how to get settled in, we have our Next Steps team. They're in the cafe out the door to the left here. They would love to get to meet you and join uh, join with you. Uh, Also, we have our services coming up this weekend, Christmas Eve services, 3, 4.30, and 6 p.m. One special note If there is inclement weather, because there is some in the forecast and you're wondering, are we still having our services, the best place to go, gracecc.net to our website. It will be posted on there if there's some kind of cancellation or anything. If you don't see anything on there, then you can assume the service is happening as planned. And I hope it is. We're excited to pack this place out. Invite somebody to come with you. If you don't know how to invite them, ask them what they're doing Christmas Eve and be like, hey, what's your family up to Christmas Eve? And then be like, well, listen, we're having an awesome party at our church. You want to come join us for Christmas Eve? It'll be great to have them. Hopefully we run out of room. That's 
my goal for all three of the services. So that's it. I'm going to pray God's blessing over us and we will get out of here. Father, uh, you're amazing. You're amazing, Lord. Thank you for Jesus, the Son of God. Thank you for the Spirit of God, and thank you for you, Father. God, thank you for your work in our lives. Thank you for um, these reminders, God, throughout the year, but especially at Christmas when we remember, God, what it is that you did for us, the links that you went to to rescue us from this condition called sin. Father, thank you that uh, you are victorious, Thank you that you, God, are victorious over sin and Satan and death and demons. And Father, we can have real, abundant, true life if we put our faith in Jesus. Thank you for that, Father, reality. God, I pray that you would be with everybody here, myself included, as we go throughout the week. I pray we would be deeply mindful of your work in our lives. And Father, of those areas that, that we all need, myself included, Father, where we aren't fully submitting to you and to your authority, would you reveal those to us? And would you help us to, to move closer to you, Father, by, by, by submitting to you, Father? I love you. God, I thank you for this church family you've blessed us with. It's a great place, and I praise you for it, Father. Um, thank you for today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Grace, and Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.